Well, good morning, church. It's good to be here with you this morning. Come on, somebody. Post-Easter service was still awesome, right? Come on, somebody. No, it was it's great, great that God's just showing up this morning, already moving. I don't know if I'm going to match Jaron's passion this morning, but that was very passionate and uh, very effective. Thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is where we're going to be, appropriately so. If you already are familiar with that verse, that's where we're going to be this morning as we conclude our series of not going back. Everybody say, not going back. Not going back. This is really what we've been believing God for in our life and really a message on lordship, a message on selling out, a message on just saying, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm going all in. And so I'm excited to use Acts chapter 8 to utilize this scripture this morning and to point us towards where he wants us to go. And, and I know it's an abbreviated sermon, and so um, hopefully that if we don't get through the whole text, then I would encourage you to take this text this week and to go through it. But I want to talk about permanency. Uh, not going back is a very permanent state. And uh, I know that we're using it and champion people and encourage them to have a mindset or a mind frame of not going back, of um, not returning to the things of old, but not going back is a permanent state of being. You see, when, when the good news is when Christ gave his life, he moved you into permanence, permanency. How many of you are thankful for that? A permanent placement. Uh, go ahead and say, I'm permanently placed. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, you're permanently placed. And this is good news. This is what we're so excited to see. This is what the Lord has put in us. Permanent, decision, um, permanent decisions lead to permanent destinations. And we see this over and over in our life, that permanent decisions, the choices and the decisions that are made lead us to a permanent destination. The permanent decision to follow Christ and be all in on Christ will lead to a permanent destination to live with him in glory forever. The permanent decisions and the choices of choosing sin and bowing to sin and bowing to, to your will, your desires, the way that you want to write your story and bowing to a life of you do you and neglecting Jesus is a permanent life separated from God forever. And it's our hope and our desire at Luminous Church that we would constantly give you this message of the cross and the message of resurrection life and the message that you can have life and life to the full, life abundantly. You see, in aviation terms, I'm not a, I don't have my pilot's license. Anybody have their pilot's license? But I'll do, I'll do my, limited, um, my limited understanding to explain to you in aviation there's a point of no return. It's so when they coined this phrase, the point of no return, and it's all throughout aviation, but there's the point of no return when you're on the runway and you begin to take off. There's a point of no return where you have to pull up. You have to accelerate and you have to lift off the ground, if not destruction. There's a point of no return on the runway. There's also in aviation a point of no return on the journey, meaning that you've gone too far where you no longer have enough fuel to return back to where you used to be. There's this moment where you're moving and you're flying, and there's no way to turn back to where your life used to be. Permanency, the point of no return, 
God moving us. You see, in our life, sin seemed so permanent, didn't it? The things that we, the Bible would talk about this oftentimes, the things that we say, the, the injustice that we do, the decisions that we have made, right, are permanent decisions. It's why the Lord said that your tongue has the ability to produce life and death. That as you speak, it's not like you can take it back in and regurgitate it into a great way. It's spoken. Just like the Bible would talk about how you should not murder and you should not steal and you should not lie. Because when you do those things, those are permanent. You take somebody's life, it's permanent. You speak a lie, it's permanently spoken. You steal something, there was a permanent offense that happened. But I'm so thankful that in this permanency, in this life, that there is redemption and there's grace and there's forgiveness and there's love and there's the ability for Jesus to go and he made a permanent decision upon the cross. There was no taking back the cross. There was no taking back his sacrifice. There was none of that. No, when he went on the cross, it was finished. And being raised from the dead is a permanent state that Christ remains alive and he will not die again. He remains in the land of the living. And he offers that to you and me. This hope of all this permanent state, this fraction of sin that we participated in, that we were born into, in this fallen, destructive world, there's this moment of hope, the hope of glory, where we say, man, we can place our faith in Jesus for his permanency and what he did. And as he saves, he moves us into a different position. Position. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that Jesus would instruct the Israelites and instruct them. He would say, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with, my whole, with your whole heart. He, uh, Jesus echoes this in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. You see, in this moment, there are these slivers of hope. The slivers of hope, these, these slices of hope that are given to you and me to say, hey, you don't have to remain in your permanency of sin and your state. There's a place where you can place your hope and trust in him. And if you seek him, you will find him. How many love promises of God? You see, God speaks in some absolute statements. He speaks throughout his word some absolute statements that he will make sure that they don't return void. Seek him. You will find him. For Joseph and DJ, they sought him and they found him and they went public with that acknowledgement of what God has done in their heart as he opened that door, invited them in to his very essence. Slivers of hope. This is amazing, and all of us need a little bit of hope, don't we? 
You realize when you made a permanent decision, whether you violated another individual or you violated yourself, and you lived with that for 10, 20, 50 years, how many of us need a little bit of hope for that pain, for that sin, for that wrongdoing to be made right? All of us did. And here in Acts 8, we have a eunuch, a eunuch who went to Jerusalem, a high official. He, he was entrusted with the queen's treasure. There was so much authority on him, and he goes to Jerusalem, and there he goes to worship God. And he had a sliver of hope that maybe, just maybe, God would recognize a eunuch. Maybe just maybe God would look down on this eunuch and look at his state and look at his being and look how he's made and look at all these things. And maybe just maybe God would shine his face upon him. So he's reading the book of Isaiah and perhaps, perhaps he's in the book of Isaiah because it offered hope to him. Perhaps he recalls Isaiah 56 verse 3 through 5. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Maybe, just maybe, the eunuch finds himself reading Isaiah on the side of the road when, when Philip shows up because when he read this scripture, it offered him some hope. How many of us have thumbed through the Bible just looking for an answer, looking for some kind of hope that would speak into our rotten soul that was corrupt and destroyed and despaired? And the Lord showed up and he spoke and he gave hope. And so here he is finding himself reading and we'll pick up in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And here this moment that there's good news that is showing up and is about to set his course. You see, good news will set a good course for your life. Philip goes and he goes on this, on this moment to the eunuch and he starts to proclaim good news to him in verse 29. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? 
Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He starts sharing the gospel with him, telling him all that Jesus has done, all that Jesus is about to do. It was incredible, this good news, and it started moving into a good course of action and response by the eunuch. There's this moment where he's responding kindly to this good news that is being described. And here we find in 2.37 that the gospel it's not just giving us a good course. It's giving us good directives. It gives us good directives in verse 37. He said, or it gives us good directives, meaning this. It tells us what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to respond. The gospel is the authority that speaks to the response of those who hear the good news. In Acts 2.37, you may remember when, when Peter was preaching the gospel. The same question was asked, what must I do as I hear this good news? And Peter says what? You must repent and be baptized. You must repent and be baptized. And that day, there were thousands of souls added into the kingdom of God after Peter's message. And the gospel started going forth. And Philip is going to find a eunuch who's looking for answers, looking for a sliver of hope. And here we find Philip showing up, giving him that very hope he was looking for. He was giving him good news. He was giving him a directive. He said, you must repent and be baptized. And the, and the eunuch says this in verse 36. It says, and they were going along the road and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch said, what prevents me from being baptized? Meaning he heard the directive of the good news. He must repent, turn away from his sin, follow Jesus, and be baptized. This was a moment where he said, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the person I used to be, to the person who was searching and the person who was wandering, and the purpose, person who was hopeless. The next time I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be worshiping differently. The next time I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to understand differently. The next time I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to have eyes to see Jesus clearly. I'm going to have ears to hear his word. The next time I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to worship him. But the gospel encounters this eunuch. And it's believed that he started spreading the gospel through Africa. And many, many people came to know Christ because of the gospel. The gospel set a good course. You see, you were going one way, but the gospel, the good news that Jesus paid the price for your sin. He died the death that you and I deserve to die. And he redeemed you and he saved you to put you back in the very purpose of what humanity was made, to be right with God, holy with God, pleasing to God, relationship with God. Not going back is about having relationship with him. 
Not going back is moving forward into his very presence and his mission on this earth. Not going back, church. It's what we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. Today you took a step to go watch baptisms. I believe that you're going to start taking steps to share the good news of Jesus with others. I believe that those people are going to respond. They're going to repent. And they'll be baptized. And you won't take steps just to go watch and participate. But you'll be taking steps to pray over and help facilitate. You see, the Lord wants to include you in this journey. He's all about including you. He has not given up on you. He loves you. And your permanency is placed rightly with him. I want to pray for you a blessing over you this morning. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for inspiration. Thank you for stories. Thank you for acts. Thank you for the eunuch. Thank you for Philip's obedience. Thank you for these directives of the good news of the gospel that leads us. Thank you for permanency that what is done in water is a symbol of what's done in our hearts. But there's no taking back salvation and there's no taking back that public declaration. It is done. Here we find ourselves moving in this gospel motion. Renewed by you, changed by you, drawing ourselves closer to you and telling the world that you live. God, if there's anybody in here who came in hopeless, they feel like their permanency is destruction. They feel like their permanency is sin, depression, anxiety, full of anger, bitterness. They can't seem to shake it. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move you would move and then you would speak it differently over their life speak truth and father give them a picture right now of how you see them loved blossoming just getting a picture of somebody blossoming like a cherry blossom and the Lord is just lighting you up. And he's giving you new hope, new dreams, new placement. God, we declare this right now. Bless your church. In Jesus' name, amen.